Well, we're just 12 days away from Christmas. Hopefully that doesn't cause stress for you. It's a wonderful thing. And thank goodness for Amazon two-day shipping. We have 10 shopping days left for Christmas. <laughs> but this time last year, like most years, we were in the peak of the holiday parties, right? I know we had several for work and such and frenzied shopping and looking forward to whatever our Christmas plans were with family and friends. And, and this year, it's just, it's just different. It's not the same. You know, office parties and corporate events are, are canceled. Shopping is mostly done online. Out of an abundance of caution, I, I couldn't stand to go to the mall after Thanksgiving. It just, but, and it works well for guys, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> and, and most cr- traditional Christmas plans are, are being modified, if not altogether canceled. And we run the risk of being robbed of our holiday cheers. These holidays experiences are, are lost. But I want to take a moment to kind of um, share some things that, that bring us joy this time of year. Let's re- be reminded of what it is. What are some of your traditions or memories or, or anything that, that make you smile? Is there, is there anything? I mean, there, I'm sure there is. Let's, let's hear it. Becky, go. <laughs> Laughter, good one. Don't pick on me. <laughs> Just family, with family being around. Yeah, family. We, we talked on Wednesday night and... and um, yeah, our, our, in our family, it was, we always went to a Christmas Eve service, and then we went home, and, and apparently my parents stayed up late. We have young kids. Too young to understand what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> I don't want to ruin Christmas for anybody. Um, if you're listening online and you've got young children, go ahead and mute. Um, but anyway, they, they said, we, we come home, and they would put on Christmas music and put everything together and wrap it, you know, and, and I finally figured out that my parents were Santa. That was hard for me last Wednesday. Um, but we worked through it. We prayed through it. No, but it was, and that was a part of it. And in the morning, it was always, we could get up whenever we wanted to. <laughs> we could get up whenever we wanted to, but we couldn't wake them before six, you know. Um, and that was, that was our tradition. And then we always had these Pillsbury cinnamon rolls, but they were the orange ones, if you remember those. I'm like, they aren't particularly delicious, but that's what we had every Christmas. And that was a fun memory for us. That was, that was joyful. What, what other stuff? I mean, Sherry, your family did gifts of love. They made stuff for each other. What, what else? Al, what, what did you guys do? Being one of 11, and, uh, my dad was a welder uh, back in those days, in the 50s and 40s. Um, it was kind of a rough time, uh, and uh, you lived from week to week. The days of the outdoor bathroom and, and uh, living off of the garden during the winter. And, yeah. And uh, getting a gift uh, if you're fortunate at Christmas time, and, and uh, getting a Christmas tree donated by the local school or something like that, uh, we were we were blessed. Mm-hmm. But the greatest joy that I have is the ability to share with others. Yeah. In a position to be able to God bless our family and, and be able to be able to contribute something. Uh, yeah. Whether it's work or whatever it may be that's the greatest joy that i have and i thank god for that yeah the the joy of the season is is the the gift of giving you know and and they say it's better to give than receive and i think i think we feel that and that's what i hear you say is not only the ability but the the choice to do it brings you joy what else there's got to be some other things in this room yes jack traveling the relative's house (laughs) 
Big Christmas? Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. Well, these are all wonderful things. They are, and I'm sure even you guys who didn't speak up have, have similar things, little odd traditions or, or, or whatever it may be, but the things that bring you joy when you think about it, and, and I think we can all relate to those. Um, but what I hear is not just a list of holiday events. No one's really saying, I mean, we're going to our family and friend's house and all that stuff, but, but I, what I'm hearing you say is, I'm with family, I'm with friends. I'm giving to others. I am, you know, I'm... That's it's the relationship, and that's really what I want to, want to talk about. These, not these experience-related things, but these relationship-related things. Now, God doesn't want you to just have an experience-rich life, as you know, as we spend time in His creation. He does give us opportunities to experience the wonders of creation, to do things and feel things, and and it's amazing. It's amazing what He's done, and you can just look out the window here and see. Even in this little small, you know, community in the middle of the, the state, in the middle of the, the country, that, um, that God has, has done wonderful things. He wants us to experience nature and animals and the weather and all these things that just make us feel good and, and happy to be alive. But he also wants you to have a relationship-rich life. One is you fellowship with others and, and of course, as you fellowship with him. And when we talk about relationships, we have to consider the one that he has with us and the one that we should want to have with him. This morning, we're going to look at the miraculous gift of Christmas as it was meant to be understood, which as a relationally rich holiday and not just an experiential one. And we can't do this without knowing the one whom we are called to have a relationship with. You know, God, the Father, you know, and, and, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to learn the names of God. There's um, you know, we hear Yahweh and, and El Shaddai, and, and we're going to look at what these words mean because they're a different aspect, a different facet of what I'll say is his personality, that God the creator, God the lover, God the father, and all these things. But he is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, and, and we still can't just wrap our brains around what all that means, but we know he's there and what he's up to. But he has always wanted a relationship with us. This goes all the way back to he created man so he could have a relationship with man and man could have a relationship with him. You know, the Bible talks about, you know, God created this wonderful garden, this Eden, and he would walk with man and walk with woman in this garden. And we blew it, didn't we? Not we, but they, but we're all part of that, you know. So God expelled this wonderful creation, this this couple that he wanted to have a relationship with. And, and it, it broke his heart, it said. But he couldn't have them in that holy place. And, and man lived outside of that paradise, but God still pursued them, pursues us wanting a relationship. But then we blew it again. I'm gonna start with the story of Noah. It can be found in Genesis 6, 5 through 8. It said, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the man, human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Now, he regretted this wonderful communion, communi- creation that he had called good. And it says he regretted it. He regretted that he made us. And his heart was deeply troubled because he so desperately wants a relationship with us. But we, we didn't do our part. And he go, it goes on in verse 7. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth 
the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I made them all. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There was one man, okay, that, that God said, this man loves me. He respects me, honors me. He has, he has kept his covenant with me that I am his God. And we know the story of Noah. He saved Noah and his family and the animals. And, and then, you know, they, they survived the, the time on the ark and the flood. And at the end of this, Noah offers a burnt offering, which was tradition of the time. You know, he took these animals and you, and this is really what's important is you take an unblemished. You don't give God the, the, the leftovers, the sloppy seconds, whatever it is, the damage. You give the best. And that's what we're called to do. First fruits, the, the, you know, you might hear the top 10% or whatever. You, you give first because that's the best. That's the best. And Genesis 8, 21, 22, when he saw that Noah did this, says this. It says, God said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Okay? God's changing it. We aren't in this case. He knows that we're not going to do well, but he says, I love you too much. And he says, never again will I destroy all the living creatures as I've done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Now, God needed to preserve his creation because he said, I made a promise. I'm not going to destroy it. This is good. But he has to maintain his holiness. So he's saying, but I have to have, I have, to have good children. I have to have a relationship with them. And if I'm holy, they need to be holy too. And God made a covenant promise with Abraham to bless his descendants and make them, as the Bible describes, a great nation. And God was remembering this covenant promise when he rescued the Israelites from Egypt under the leadership of Moses. And during this journey that is known as the Exodus, God made a new covenant and gave us the rules and guidelines to help us align with his good character, a portion of which we know as the Ten Commandments. Now we've been told that what we should do and what we should not do. It hasn't changed. Never, since then, it's not changed. And it was literally written in stone. But what do we do? We blow it, right? I mean, I haven't murdered anybody today, but I'll be honest. Sometimes it's, no, I, I'm just, I was honest about that. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, being honest, you know, you drive around and you see nice things and you, you covet them a little bit. You're like, that's nice. Not that I don't wish you had it, but I would like that too. You know, and, and so we struggle with these things. And God knows that, that this is an ongoing battle, but he still calls us to, to what? Repent and, and follow his, his will. But again, God needed to preserve his creation, which he did good, and, and have a whole relationship with maintaining his holiness. He's, he's keeping his side of these covenants, but we're not doing such a good job with ours. But then the most incredible thing happened. God sent his son to reconcile us. And in 2 Corinthians 5.20, when it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin, or it says to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now remember, if you're gonna give a sacrifice, it had to be pure, unblemished. Now how can we offer a sacrifice for our sins because we ourselves sin? He had to have a sinless sacrifice, his son, and all this is done in the name of having a relationship with you. We, you know, we've talked about, I had a, a diagram. It had kind of two, two cliffs. On one side was man and one side was God. And, and you know, we have our sin and our 
doubts and our fear keep us distant, but the cross fits right in there and makes us bridge. Or we talked about the Romans road and, and here's what it is in a nutshell. It says, we're all sinners by nature and by choice. Okay, we have a sinful nature and, and let's be honest, we sometimes choose to sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we receive eternal life as a free gift. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. All right, that's what it costs us. We're not holy. We can't have that relationship. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's what's good. God demonstrated his love while we were still sinners. 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we got it right. Can you imagine if you had to be perfect before you showed up at church? We'd be a really small congregation and I wouldn't be here to tell. We're all sinners. You know, people say, I can't go to church because I, you know, I've got that like, and they're a bunch of hypocrites. Yep, room for one more. Really is. Because I'm going to stand here and I'm going to tell you, you should live a better life than you are. And I'm going to tell you that I need to hear that just as much as you do. That's how it is. And we're going to figure this out together with God's help. But we must treat and surrender to Jesus our Lord, going down the Romans road again. Romans 10, 9 through 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Okay, so we say it. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, it's a words, it's a lifestyle, it's a deep-seated belief. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And then last, Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This gift is for everyone. Now, whether you believe in God or not, God created you. Whether you believe in him or not, he believes in you. Whether you believe that Christ is the way or not doesn't change who he is. It may change who he is to you. Doesn't change a bit about who Jesus is. But he came for all people, whether you believe or don't believe, and the path to salvation, the way to get where we want to do, and actually the relationship with God that we are so wired to have is through him. Now, we're called the same expectations. God is the same always. One God, always the same, never changing. And he made covenant promises with Abraham, with Moses, with Noah, and they still apply today. You still shouldn't kill, steal, lie, you know, covet, um, and, and you shouldn't. But Jesus came and made a new covenant. And this one doesn't replace, but it's more powerful and it fulfills. And, and this is the covenant that says, through me, there is a way, okay? Now there is one God, the same God that created the heavens and earth, created man and woman and every creature. The same God almost destroyed all that he made, but, but had this hope rekindled in a single man who loved him and revered him. And the same God made a covenant with us and keeps it despite our failings. He says God is patient because he wants us to succeed in this. And the same God is so desperately wants a relationship with us that he sent his son so there could be a new covenant and he could save us all. And a bonus to this new hope and new covenant is that we can now have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. We no longer need to ask someone to talk to God for us. I mean, we pray and we ask people to pray for us. Perfect. That is good Christianity. That is obedient living. It's a great example. But you don't have to do that. If you've got a prayer request, you've got a pipeline now that you didn't have before Jesus. There is no religious hierarchy that you have to work through. 
Now, I'm here to, to speak and share good news and hold you accountable and, and work on things with you. But I'm not the way to salvation. He is. Okay? I'm just going to remind you of that. And we're going to find that together because, again, I need to hear it too. In John 15, 5, which what Jack read earlier, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a great picture of a vine and you cut the, the branch off. The leaf, the vine, the branch does nothing, does nothing. He is the way, he is the new covenant. He is the foundation, the cornerstone of everything that we know and need to know to have that relationship. Don't cut yourself off from him. And Jesus knew that it would take even more than him. So he shared this good news. As he was leaving the world, he sat with his disciples. In John 14, 16 through 17, we found these words. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. You will have more support, more companionship, more relationship. And it says that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be with you. God wants us to have a relationship with other. The institute of marriage is so that we can have a companion, a partnership. You know, like I shared earlier, I mean, it's you love each other, you support each other, you hold each other accountable, and you kind of call each other out sometimes. But in Hebrews, I see elbows, smirks. <laughs> Not from you, dear, but from them. Um, yeah, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 reminds us we are to meet together. And maintain a relationship with each other where we encourage each other. It says towards love and good deeds. And this is echoed in Matthew 18, 20. And you know this, for where two or more are gathered. You know, where there's a relationship. God's a part of that relationship. And not just with like-minded Christians, with everyone. Friends, as I wrap up, we all reminded we are just 12 days from Christmas. And this time last year, again, we were in the peak of the holidays and all that stuff. And we know the season of Christmas has many feelings associated with. Perhaps it's a bit cliche, but we feel joy. We feel peace and love and hope this time of year. What's sad is some people think that's it. After December 26th, that's all my hope for the year. It's all my peace and joy for the year. You know, we'll start again next August when they roll out the trees at Walmart, right? I'm not exaggerating, am I? This comes a little more naturally when we share the experience of the holiday season with our families and friends. And that's what I heard you say. It is these experiences, these relational experiences that really helps us feel the joy and peace. So let's be honest. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, it's about family and friends and a little bit about food. And this year is going to be a bit of a test for us. We have so much to be thankful for, yet Thanksgiving lacks some of its luster because we had to pare down our normal plans in the name of health and safety. And for those who've experienced a loss this past year, it's been even more surreal holidays as loved ones were noticeably absent. You can attend an event, you can participate in an activity, you can even experience a holiday, but the truth is that it is the element of relationship that makes it so special. And as we continue through this Advent season approaching Christmas, I pray that we are more aware of the relationships that matter the most. More than the lights on the houses, the presents under the trees, the holiday treats that we rightfully enjoy so much. I hope that we truly appreciate the bonds we have with families and friends and, and more importantly, the undeniable, unbreakable bond that this holiday season has with God himself. He is the reason for the season. So how will you respond this year? 
if you cannot do the things, all the things you traditionally do, how are you going to respond? Will you use this opportunity where you were robbed of some of your holiday experiences to focus more on the important things, the relationships? And will you be different on December 14th tomorrow than you were on December 14th last year? Is your perspective a little different this year because of what's gone on in the world or maybe what you've heard? But will that be the same as December 26th as was the 24th? Will you carry the joy of the birth of your Savior with you because you know that it means that you have Jesus as your Savior and your friend? You will amaze and possibly concern people with your inexplicable holiday, inexplicable holiday joy all year long. And let's make that our prayer. Let's pray. Father God, you called us into a relationship with you. From the very first man that you created, you wanted a relationship. And along the way, we, we have done things that have hurt that friendship. Lord, you are a faithful God. You are a merciful God. You are a gracious God. And you promise if we pray, if we repent, if we turn from our sins, you will, you will forgive. Lord, all the questions are on our side. We need to consciously choose every day that relationship with you. We are blessed that we have a God just stands here waiting for us to turn to you and say, Lord, here I am. God, even though we have not kept our part of the covenants in history, you've sent a new covenant that says, I am going to take care of this, this shortfall and the way that man lives and the way that I want them to live. And Lord, you still call us to be accountable for our actions. And someday we're going to stand before you and, and give a testimony for what we've said and done and thought and believed and acted. But you also said, if you know my son, then you know me. And if you have a relationship with my son, then I have a relationship with you. And Lord, that is the hope of Christmas. And that does not end after the parties, after we take down the lights, after we do something with the tree. Lord, it's, it's that ex relationally rich holiday experience that you want us to experience every single day of our lives. And we thank you that that's your desire. Lord, place on our hearts that same desire so that this may be a holiday of joy despite whatever changes and, and that we may feel this year. And Lord, for those who have had losses this year, Lord, we just ask for an extra hand of healing as they experience a holiday with, that's even more at risk of, of having some joy lost. But the same promise, the same hope that we celebrate on this day is the same hope that we have that we know that those who've gone before us are with you. And we thank you for that promise kept. Lord, we give this service to you. May all we do honor you, respect you, and please you. As we go about this life today, when we leave this building, may we be changed for what we've heard. And may we experience the joy and the relationship that you have called us to. Amen.